Recovery from Anything features real stories that some listeners might find distressing. Check the show notes for specific content warnings and information on support services. For some reason, I had the impulse or the compulsion to to cut myself. Even though I was thriving in my high school and I was in the plays and musicals and volunteering and making friends and being social and being very outgoing, I had this habit and it was something that I was engaging in very, very frequently and very, very often because despite the fact that I was doing very well on the outside, I was really struggling on the inside. Welcome to Recovery From Anything. I'm your host, Abby Felton. Self-harm is a complex and often misunderstood coping mechanism with no fixed rules as to why someone might engage in it. For some, self-harm is linked to specific experiences and is a way of dealing with something that's either happening at the moment or which has happened in the past. Others may use it as a way to reduce overwhelming feelings or to turn invisible thoughts into something visible. My own history of self-harm was rooted in self-loathing. I believed deep down that I was defective and worthless, so I stopped taking care of myself. I thought I was morally bad and therefore deserved bad things to happen to me, so I turned my life into a whirlwind of drugs and alcohol and deliberately sabotaged every opportunity I had. I believed I deserved to be punished and suffer, so I put myself in dangerous situations and engaged in unsafe, anonymous sex with people I kind of hoped would kill me. This week's storyteller also used self-harm as a way to deal with low self-esteem. But her story serves as a reminder that not everyone who self-harms has a history of trauma, and not everyone who experiences trauma engages in self-harm. Here's Brianna Roberts. Growing up, I had a very good relationship with both my parents and my siblings. It was almost kind of like embarrassingly so what you see in like sitcoms from the 90s. My town was smallish, but not too small. There was lots of opportunities. I was big into theater and drama and performing. I come from a long line of teachers. I would say about 90% of people in my family are teachers or work in education somehow. And so I had a, my parents were always very supportive of me and my sisters. They really wanted us to be creative. My parents were both, are both also artists. And so they encouraged us to be very creative to express ourselves. They they watched every dance recital performance, came to every play. I grew up in a very, very supportive family. When I was growing up, I was very quirky. I was very outgoing. I really liked to make friends. I really liked to put on plays and perform for my parents. I am the oldest of two siblings, um, so I was very much a leader. I liked to direct all the neighborhood kids in shows. Um, and I was very, very spirited, very lively, very outgoing, very dramatic, and very creative. I grew up in a house that really fostered creativity and self-expression. I started self-harming when I was around 12 years old. So I was still in elementary school. And the reason why I started doing it came from, I had a lot of really big emotions about feeling like I wasn't good enough or that I wasn't smart enough. And literally the first time I self-harmed, I remember it was because I was bad at math. It's as simple as that. I was struggling in my math class and I just felt so dumb and so stupid that that was the first time I ever self-harmed when I was 12 years old. 
I have no idea where I got this idea from. I imagine it must have been through some sort of media or have seen it somewhere. I just remember I had a massive feeling inside of me that I had I had no idea what to do with. It was this negative energy that I, I could not handle. And for some reason, I had the impulse or the compulsion to to cut myself. And that's what I did. And it was just this that was sort of for me the only way I could release any of those big overwhelming emotions. It was like the I would deal with the emotions and it was OK, but then the emotions would swell and swell and swell. And that was the only thing that could sort of make me feel calm for a moment was to engage in that behavior. When I was growing up, the only sort of stories you heard about self-harm were I, I was a teenager in the early 2000s. So that idea of like the emo kid with the long, dark bangs and feeling very dark and listening to screamo music and coming from a troubled home and maybe involved in drugs. Like those were the only images of self-harmers that I grew up with while I was self-harming. But I actually had a really, really great time when I was in high school. It was a lot of fun and I, I got a lot of joy out of being involved in many things. Theater was my biggest passion. It was what I lived for. I did not want to go to math class. I read the books I needed to in English, but really I went to high school so I could go to rehearsal after school. It's really where I sort of found my sense of community. It's where my best friends were from. It's where I felt like I was thriving, where I was really good at something. And so anytime there was an opportunity for me to do a play or a musical or the improv team, I was really, really involved in that. And then outside of that, when I was in high school, I was also very active. I was a volunteer. I did volunteer work in my city. I did international volunteer work as a high school student. Um, I took on student leadership roles whenever I could. I would go on international trips with my high school. I sort of played rugby. I honestly just played rugby so I could say I played sport. Uh, um, but I was I tried to be a very well-rounded student when I was in high school, and I really did many things. I was a very active young person. Even though I was thriving in my high school and I was in the plays and musicals and volunteering and making friends and being social and being very outgoing, I had this habit and it was something that I was engaging in very, very frequently and very, very often because despite the fact that I was doing very well on the outside, I was really struggling on the inside in a lot of ways. And so it started when I was 12 and feeling like I was not very good at math, feeling like I wasn't very smart. And then it was a pattern that continued where anytime I felt like I wasn't good enough or I wasn't doing well, that was the response that I had to feeling like I wasn't doing okay. It was weird. Not that like I had like a real me and a not real me, but I did sort of feel like I was almost like living this double life or that I had to overcompensate in my things that I was good at. And I had to be, so because I knew I was self-harming and because I felt so bad about myself, I really like, committed to and wanted to be the best actor and the best dancer and the best singer and I wanted to be the prettiest and I wanted to be the smartest and I would put a lot of energy into that because almost like to overcompensate because of the bad feelings that I had about myself and I mean I am very grateful because I, I it's not like I was doing things that I didn't want to do I loved performing I loved dancing I loved being a student leader like I loved these things but I threw myself into those and tried to amplify those so much to sort of make up for or honestly even hide how bad I was actually feeling about myself on the inside. 
while it was happening, you get that sense of relief. And then afterwards, and this is the thing about self-harm, is I felt an incredible amount of guilt and shame. I felt very guilty that that is what I had done. I felt very ashamed. I felt like I needed to hide what I had done. So I did. I hid it. I hid this habit from everyone for many, many years. And so in the moment, it takes away the pain. It gives you that that sense of relief. But then afterwards, I was always just filled with feeling very embarrassed and very ashamed. And and I mean, I would harm myself because I felt like I wasn't good enough. And then I would harm myself to get rid of that feeling. And then the second that relief happened, I felt bad about myself again because I had done something bad that I shouldn't have done. And it was this terrible, terrible cycle. As I grew older and as my problems became more mature, the self-harming became more intense. So it starts small with like small childhood feelings, but then they continued to grow as I got more adult problems and then my self-harm problem got worse. So as a teenager in high school, you know, I went through my first breakup and that was really devastating. And my response to that was, oh, well, he broke up with me because I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough, whatever it is. And so then I would hurt myself because of that. Almost every time I was faced with a major challenge in my life that I feel like I was that I felt like I was not successful, my impulse was to self-harm. When I graduated high school, I moved to Toronto, which is uh, the biggest city in Canada, to pursue a degree in acting, and that's when I sort of started engaging in it more frequently. University is a big period of change. You know, you move away from your family, you move away from your friends. Everything is different. The challenges are different. And so as the challenges became more and more and as the change became more and more, I started to self-harm more frequently. But I, again, I was the same thing when I was in university. I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, join the student government and I'm going to run the Theater Student Association. And I, 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 again, like I was sort of living that double life of really hurting myself and really hating myself, but trying to overcompensate by being a perfectionist in every other area of my life. At this point, my my roommates knew that I was hurting myself and I, I, you know, I promised them, I said, okay, I'm going to go to counseling. And I did go to counseling and that helped for a little bit. And then after university, I moved abroad. So I was living in East Africa for a few years doing sort of leadership workshops with uh, young people. Anybody that has sort of struggled mentally can understand the fact that like when you feel good, you usually attract good people in your life and, and good things happen. And when you feel bad about yourself, um, you tend to engage in, again, those negative practices or you maybe find yourself surrounded by people who also feel bad about themselves. And so then when I moved abroad, again, change being a huge trigger, things got very, very, very bad. I was self-harming all the time. I felt like I was terrible. I felt like I couldn't do well at my job. And then I started dating someone who also sort of mirrored that back to me in different ways. The, the, the ideas that I had about myself feeling not good enough, I sort of started to surround myself with people who also reaffirmed that belief that I wasn't good enough. And that's when my self-harming became really, really bad. I was cutting all the time. I started burning myself. Like it was, it, it got so bad. Like my mental health was in such a bad state at that point. Actually, I ended up having to move back to Canada, which at the time I felt a lot of shame about. I felt like I had failed. I felt like I wanted to live this amazing international life. But because my mental health was so terrible and my self-harm problem was so bad, I did have to move back home and be surrounded by people who care about me and who supported me and who had to give me a lot of tough love, basically, and say, you know, you're not okay and we want what's best for you. And it was then that I actually started going to see a psychiatrist and started taking 
antidepressants and doing cognitive behavioral therapy. And that was when my life really started to turn around and I was actually okay. Because I had been hurting myself for so long, because I had been struggling for so long, like I had tried to fix myself a number of times. I had told myself, you know, you're not going to self-harm. You're going to take up yoga. You're going to take up running. I'm going to meditate. Like I told myself, and those are all really good practices, but I had told myself, like I had tried for a long time. Like I, I knew since I was 12 years old, I knew since I was a child and since I was hurting myself that I had a problem, but I always felt like I could deal with it on my own. And I always had a life that said, you're doing fine. So I was hurting myself, but I was getting straight A's at school. I was hurting myself, but I had the lead role in the play. I was hurting myself, but I was a really great student at university. I was hurting myself, but I got a really good job after university. And all of a sudden, I got to a point where I was hurting myself, and I didn't have a good job anymore. I was hurting myself, and I had no money. I was hurting myself, and I was in a terrible relationship. I was hurting myself, and I could tell that I had hurt my family and my friends. And I really sort of felt like I was backed into a corner where all of a sudden I had none of those things that suggested I was doing okay. And I really saw the problem for what it was and, and the damage that it had done. So as much as I felt so guilty and so ashamed and so embarrassed and so like I wanted to be anyone else other than who I was, at that point, I really realized like I don't have a choice right now. I have I have to deal with this because I don't I don't have any of these beautiful shiny things that used to protect me from what's actually going on. After I started going to therapy and my therapist explained to me why I was getting so upset and why I was hurting myself, I almost felt a sense of relief because I could understand myself a little bit more. Um, so like to give an example, like I used to self-harm, for example, my roommate would say, hey, I let you borrow my jeans, but you didn't give my jeans back. And now I can't wear them to an event that I wanted to. And I'm pretty upset about that. And I would get so upset when that happens. I would go to my room and I would cry and I would cut myself. And I'm like, this is stupid, Brianna. It's just a pair of pants. Why are you doing this to yourself? And then my therapist explained to me that like actually it goes so much deeper than that. And it wasn't just that, oh, my roommate's mad at me. It's that I had formed this sort of pattern in my brain that said, okay, your friend is upset with you. That means your friend hates you. That means that your friend thinks you're a bad person. Therefore, you are a bad person. Therefore, you don't deserve to have friends. And like, I would not consciously realize that I was thinking these thoughts. I just heard, hey, I'm mad at you because you didn't return my pants. But my brain was playing all these little tricks on me. And so what I, I thought I was crying about the pants, what I was actually crying about and hurting myself over was all of these feelings that were underneath those of unworthiness and self-hatred. But I never really realized that or understood that until I went to therapy. And then when I went to therapy, my therapist explained this to me. I was like, oh my gosh, of course, of course I'm upset. Of course I'm feeling sad. If, if, I, if I told my friends any of the bad things that I've been telling myself, like my friend would be devastated. So of course I've been speaking to myself so terribly, almost unconsciously for over a decade now, like, of course I'm upset. So I, I felt quite a bit of relief that I sort of felt like I was understanding myself for the first time. At the same time I started therapy, I also started taking antidepressants. And that honestly changed my life. I felt a little bit weird when I started to take them, but then after a while, it sort of felt like the fog was clearing in my brain a little bit. And I felt like I could wake up in the morning and I had more energy and so I feel like the first few weeks of being in therapy and being on medication it was like this weird blur of like sort of starting to understand things 
And then after those first few weeks, I, I actually felt like I was making progress and I felt quite proud of myself. And then I didn't want to hurt myself because I wanted to keep the progress going. And that was really, that was really motivating for me. I think being in therapy and starting to take antidepressants, I think that was sort of a signal to myself that like I was onto something and I was making more progress than I had before. And so I really, I mean, I made a commitment to myself that I was not gonna do this. To be honest with you, the perfectionist in me for a long time, I was like, I'm not gonna self-harm because I know I have to go back and talk to my psychiatrist and my therapist and I don't wanna tell them that I made a mistake or like that I did something bad. That bad, like I didn't want to let my therapist down, which like is that's not that's not why we're in therapy. That's not like I've moved past that. But for a while, honestly, that was a part of it. But then, as I sort of identified my perfectionist tendencies and and identified other reasons, I would say that it went from you know me really really telling myself I'm taking this seriously, not wanting to let other people down, and then eventually, slowly over time, that turned into me not wanting to let myself down anymore, which was huge. Um, that shift from I'm not doing this because I don't want my parents to be mad at me or my sisters or anything like that. Making that switch to I don't want to do this because I don't want to do this for myself because I don't need to do this anymore. That was huge. And that was something that that took time, but it was something that I was able to achieve through through those sort of steps. To be honest, there was a period of time where I never thought that I would ever feel this way. And, and I mean, I do now and it's it's really great. And actually, there's been, you know, a couple of things, incidences in my life in the past few years that have been, you know, a bit triggering, a bit traumatic. And people that are close to my life have said, you know, you're obviously this is a hard thing for you to go through. Like, are you feeling like self-harming? And for the first time in over a decade, I actually can with confidence say, no, I'm not. That's not something I want to do anymore. I have I are the urges still there sometimes when things get very overwhelming. Yes, I might think I, I might think oh, this would be a time when I would have. Um, so I don't actually, like, I, I can control it so well now that, like, it's a choice that I make that I, I don't want to self-harm anymore. It's not a part of my life. I never want to go back to where I was. I never want to go back to feeling like I have to fly to the other side of the world because my life is in shambles. Like, I have been there, and I'm not going back there, um, and I have done the work to get myself to where I am now. So it's it's really... a a blessing and a relief to feel like after all this time, after all this work, it's actually not a compulsion or, or anything that I, I want to do to myself ever again. And I'm, I'm really proud of that. I would be lying to you if I said everything's perfect now and I feel great about myself every day. I don't think anybody does. I do still struggle a lot with feelings of self-worth. I struggle a lot with self-esteem. I don't always feel great about myself or my body, but I don't I have much healthier ways to deal with that now. And I'm also much, it's much easier for me to see the positive things about myself. And there was a time where I was accomplishing a lot in my life, but I couldn't think of one good thing I wanted to say about myself. And now I'm at the point where I do still have days where I do not feel good about myself. I feel very sad. I do still have those feelings of unworthiness, but I could also still list five to 10 things that I am like, okay, all right, we're doing fine. We're just having a bad day. We're having a bad moment. There will be a good day tomorrow. It's much easier for me to sort of deal with that now, to sort of deal with my, my struggles of, of that. But it's definitely still there. And I think we're all works in progress. I'm still far from perfect, but I'm much further along in the journey than I have ever been.
It's really important that we are gentle with ourselves because as much as, you know, I have, let's say I have, you know, 80 or 90% good days, those bad days are still bad days. Like, I'm still ugly crying. I'm still feeling bad about myself. Like, I have to acknowledge that that part of me does still exist. But if we're going to talk about proportions of good days to bad days or feelings of unworthiness versus feelings of worthiness, in the past six or seven years, the the negative feelings have really, really shrunk in proportion to the, the positive feelings. And that's been, it's been a difficult road to get there, but I'm really glad that, that I've, that I've arrived where I am. And honestly, if things kept going the way they are now, I would be very, very happy with myself. And I'm still obviously trying to improve every day. I really love my life now and I'm really grateful and excited about my life. Right now I'm 33 years old. I live in Bali, Indonesia. I'm teaching drama. I love working with young people. I love working with teenagers. I think teenagers have incredible stories to tell and as a drama teacher I sort of can create a platform for them to tell their stories. So I wake up every day in my beautiful house in Bali and I go to a job that I love working with young people who I find to be super inspiring. And then in the evenings, I'm very active. I like doing yoga. I like going running. I can go over to the beach whenever I want. I have a lot of really great friends. I've been teaching internationally for a few years. So I was living in Europe for the past four years in Albania, which is an amazing country. And I made some great friends there. My life really these days looks like me sort of traveling around, enjoying, exploring the world and doing a job that I love. And I am so excited and happy that I get to do that. What does recovery mean to you? What recovery means to me is being able to be resilient in the face of your personal challenges, knowing that your personal challenges exist and being able to face them head on and, and do the work to get over them and to, to move forward and sort of thrive in your life. You've been listening to Recovery From Anything. I'm your host, Abby Felton. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review the show and join the community on Instagram at Recovery From Anything. You can find out more about this week's storyteller or submit a story of your own on our website, recoveryfromanything.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>